The scripture for today is James 2, 1 through 10, and then also James 2, 14 through 17. And you can follow along on the screen with me. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my bro beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom? that he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been accountable for all of it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and you say, one of you says to them, Oh, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, thanks. Amen. Let's pray. God in heaven, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. Every so often, if we're paying attention, we learn something new. There are times when we take information for granted because as long as we've been alive, this is the way things have looked, or how they have worked. As I was preparing for today's sermon, I was, going, I was doing some work on the history of the book of James. What I read reminded me that sometimes several revisions are often done before the final one is processed. As recent as the 4th century, James was not even in the regular canon. It was not deemed worthy enough or important enough to include. It was not in the regular canon, but it was still read in many churches in the 4th century because Athanasius, who was the bishop of Alexandria in Egypt, used it. And since it was a prominent city, it was therefore deemed important again. 
It was through this influence that James made it finally into the canon. But it was Martin Luther who placed it where we know it today. It had been up close to the Gospels, but he felt that it did not have enough Gospel essentials. So he put it way at the end, because it didn't have a biography of Jesus. John Calvin and many others defended the book to the Council of Trent in, 14, in 1546, and ever since then it has been a part of our holy canon. In school we are taught to always put our name on our paper, and books and letters in the Bible are prime examples as to why. James is usually attributed to the brother of Jesus, but it was likely written at the cusp of James's martyrdom, so it could have been started by him and finished by someone else, or it could have been written by a completely different James. But as with many books of the Bible, it's not so much who actually put the words to parchment, but when, oh, and when, but what the message the letter holds for us. It is not a long letter. If you thumb through the New Testament too quickly, you may miss it. But it holds important messages for us from the Holy Spirit. It reiterates many of Christ's teachings. James is one of my favorite books. For a long time, it was because it held the same name as the kid I had a crush on in high school. But as I actually read it, the words became clear that they were backing up the teachings of Jesus Christ. Like Jesus, James calls us out on our nonsense. He sees what people, the people of his time were doing with their favoritism and sees that it contradicts Jesus. Today, the passage from James expresses the necessity for not making assumptions based on looks and also the importance of good works. Both of these ideas are not only taught to us by Jesus Christ, but were part of the very core of the beginnings of Methodism. The acceptance of the poor and reaching out and helping those that are in need is the very basis of our religion and our denomination. It is something that sadly many of us, including myself, are often lacking. We see people in need and we either turn away from them or judge them for their situation. Sometimes and usually it is both. Stereotypes are awful. They are often racist, sexist, deprecating to an entire group of people, and they can often raise an element of fear. Sometimes the stereotypes are true, which just perpetuates the stereotype, but in most cases it exists because of ignorance. As I read the scripture for this week and saw how James called out the people of ancient Israel, Asia Minor, and Greece in regard to how they treated people less fortunate than themselves, I was taken aback at how some things never seem to change. We are all guilty of it. In my years of working in retail, I learned that in one look, you can tell who's going to buy something and who probably isn't. Many of the people I worked with would see someone walk into the store, size them up, and greet them accordingly. They would see who might help them reach their sales goal or who might have good enough credit to get a loyalty card opened up. We do it with our celebrities, both local and world-renowned. We want to get in good with them so that perhaps their luck will trickle down to us. 
It has been done in churches. So-and-so gives a lot each year, so we better make sure we do what she wants, lest she take her big checkbook and leaves. The mighty do- almighty dollar for centuries has run the behavior of many people. But what about the person who doesn't fit the ideal look? What about the person who perhaps has hit a run of bad luck and finds themselves at the mercy of others? They find themselves getting glares on the street, being judged in the store, and even being ignored in waiting rooms of hospitals. They can't pay or can't pay top dollar, so they have to wait. Sadly, this happens. A young black man is walking down the sidewalk towards a white woman, and if she doesn't move to the other side of the street, she will at least clutch her purse closely and tightly under her arm. Someone recently laid off from their job because the order was cut back suddenly finds themselves needing unemployment benefits or food stamps and barely gets a hello from the cashier at the grocery store. Someone begging on the street simply needing the daily bread that we all need is ignored because it's assumed that they'll use any money on booze or drugs. These, my friends, are the people that Jesus has commanded us not only to treat with the same dignity and respect that we, we would want, but also to help them, to watch out for them, and to do what we can for them. The marginalized and the poor deserve our love just as much as those who can shower us with gifts and glory. I remember walking down the street in Evanston a few years ago. I was traveling between job number one and job number two, and I'd been calculating in my head what I had in my savings account and weighing it up against what I would need for tuition, rent, and food. I was asked by a man on the street for some money. I'm sorry, I don't have anything. As I walked away, I heard him say to his friend, Yeah, right, it's expletives like her that give the rest of us, that never give any of us a dime. It really took all of my strength not to turn around and get in that man's face. During that particular time in my life, the only thing keeping me from sitting right next to him, begging myself, was that I had borrowed money up to my eyeballs for school and I happened to have one credit card left that wasn't maxed out. Quite honestly, that man on the street had more cold hard cash than I did that day. Because of stereotypes, he assumed that I was a certain type of person. He took a look at me and thought, thought what he thought. Our perceptions of people have nothing to do with truth. What that man didn't know about me was that I always gave my change to the people I met in the street. I usually tried to have some cash on me so that I could help people. Not long after that, I was walking with a friend and a man stopped us. He asked if we would buy one of his drawings so that he could get some dinner. I told him, how about I buy you some dinner and you can sell that drawing to someone else for some extra cash. And I did. And the person I was with said, you know, he was probably scamming you, right? And I said, that's between him and God. James reminds us that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He reminds us that by applying partiality, we commit sin against God and against the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Mercy triumphs over judgment, so much so that who, those who judge 
others without mercy will receive judgment from God without mercy. I visited a church one time in which the pastor was giving a sermon seemingly on stewardship, but it turned very quickly into a sermon filled with judgment and assumption. The pastor had been talking about the importance of tithing, though that's not the word that he had used. I forget now what it was. His sermon ended up stating that people who are poor are poor because they have no faith in God. Hmm. God was not going to help them because clearly they cannot be trusted with money. I was shaken. I was aghast. And to be honest, I was so upset, I went home and went straight to bed for the rest of the day because I just couldn't handle it. The church I sat in claimed that it was a Christian church. Although it did not follow particular, a particular denomination or doctrine, it was a Christian church praising and worshiping the Lord, and here was a message stating that the poor are poor because they are faithless and worthless and have little hope of ever finding their way out of the depths of despair. I cannot count the places in Holy Scripture where Jesus has told us that the poor are to be cared for, the marginalized are to be cared for, those who cannot for whatever reason care for themselves are to be cared for. I cannot count the people that I have met in this world that have few material items but more faith than I've ever seen in my life. Proof texting is not something I will do often in my sermon, but just look at James 2.5. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith, to be the heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? This is but one place in Holy Scripture that spells out the relationship we have when we should have with one another. Poverty is not sinful, but pride is. James reminds us that our works are as important as our words and our thoughts. James would suggest that my buying the man dinner was not good enough, and it wasn't. To give someone something to eat without finding out why they are hungry is an injustice. To give someone clothing without addressing why they are naked is just as negligent as passing them by in the street. Again, James 2.17, so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Something John Wesley held on to tightly throughout his life. This sermon is not meant to scold but to remind. It is to remind you, and me too, that in some of the most basic Christian values, we fail time after time. It is to remind us that all Christians, that as Christians, we must care for those who need our help. We must watch out for those who cannot watch out for themselves. As Christians, we cannot allow innocent people to suffer because they do not fit into our human parameters of worthiness. As I was writing this sermon this week, I happened upon a Facebook post that read, Jesus spent his whole life engaging the people most of us have spent our whole lives trying to avoid. As you go from this sacred place and into your lives, think about that. The Christ that we all worship 
the Christ that we all love, the Christ that sacrificed his life for every life that has ever been and ever will be, spoke to the people on the margins of society. He sat with the poor, the orphaned, and the widowed. He ate with the sinners of all kinds. Loving our neighbors as we love ourselves seems like such a small trade for such a large sacrifice from God who loves us. Go from this place with faith and do good works in the name of Jesus Christ and in the name of the one who calls us his even when we don't act like it. Amen.